Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we've just heard read that your loving kindnesses never cease, that they are renewed each morning. Lord, as we come and we wrestle with the, the trials of life, we pray for your great loving kindness. We pray in great dependence upon your loving kindness because we know that we cannot bear the guilt of our sin. It is, therefore, the reason that we come to you and we worship you knowing that in Christ Jesus, our Redeemer, in whose name we pray that our sins have been forgiven. Lord, we pray that as we wrestle this morning with the realities of your saving grace and the difficulties of suffering, that you would give us understanding and insight into our own lives, our own circumstances, and, and that of the world around us. Again, we pray all of this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Here in Lamentations 3, we've had our first hint, our first wisp of good news, right? As we've been going through the, the laments, um, it, it's not been pleasant reading, but here we see a reminder that the Lord's loving kindnesses never cease. And yet, even as we read it, we see that it is situated in the middle of chapter 3. So our temptation to run headlong to it needs to be delayed, avoided, right? Um, because most often when, when there is trouble, we, we say, Lord, make it go away. And our temptation might be just to, to focus merely on, on um, these few verses speaking about the Lord's loving kindness and to just sort of wash over or neglect that which comes before or that which follows, as we notice the, the tone of Lamentations 3, we see that it's different. It's moved from corporate to individual, right? The, the first two chapters of the book speak of the loss of, of the nation. It speaks of the loss of the capital. It speaks of the loss of whole groups of people. And when you know, the, the lamenter speaks in the first person, he's kind of speaking on behalf of the city. Again, it's, it's a corporate identity. But here in chapter 3, it's far more individual. It, it's, it's at, the, at the, the, the level of a single person. And that changes our perception of the way that the suffering gets worked out. Right, uh, you know, in the in the past weeks we've been speaking of the brokenness of the land. We've been we've been highlighting some of the sins that are present in Judah. We've been highlighting some of the sins that are present in our own land, and and part of the undercurrent is is to say, you know, were the Lord to move against a sinful people now, it would not be unlike moving against the sinful people then. But now, if we're talking about the suffering of the individual, the brokenness of the self, we kind of have to change our way of thinking. 
you know, we could understand that some people are suffering as individuals because they're part of the wider culture, right? If, if, if you have a wider culture that, that has utterly rejected the Lord and is suffering because it's, it's operating um, in a completely godless manner, those that are in it might well be suffering. We also see, though, that, that individuals often get caught up in the suffering of the wider culture, even if they're not actively engaged in it. Uh, throughout the weeks, I've, I've tried to highlight Daniel and some others that would have fit this, this bill, as it were. Th- these were uh, men that were faithful to the Lord, and yet when exiles were taken, Daniel was taken. He wasn't spared. So, you know, there, there are possibilities for, for why, you know, people could be suffering individually within a, 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 a wider culture. Um, but here, Lamentations 3 begins to enumerate some of the effects of what that suffering looks like. As we think about this, we need to understand how we fit in our wider culture, that is to say, are we joined with it or are we standing in opposition to it, we also need to think, we need to reflect very seriously upon how the Lord is working through the circumstances of our lives to draw us closer to himself. Sometimes he uses rather difficult or trying methods. And it's into those methods, it's into that individual suffering that we see Lamentations speaks and those verses of great hope that the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, that his compassions are never fail, that they're new every morning. It's into you know, the individual suffering that those truths are spoken. And so as we come, and in a room of this size, I guess my assumption is that there's going to be a mixture of people that are coming in, and they're going to feel at peace and rested and, and somewhat wonderful. And there are going to be some people that are suffering and struggling in various ways and shapes and forms. And, and to both groups, we understand that the Lord's promise of, of his loving kindness is sure. So then how do we understand that intelligibly? How can those who are doing well as well as those that are wrestling and suffering both claim the Lord's loving kindness? Lord willing, ultimately we'll see that the way to do that, the only way to do that, is to cling to the Lord Jesus. To cling to his life, death, and resurrection where we see the Lord's purposes in suffering in general, but also in our suffering in particular, come into clear focus and fruition. So this morning, as we think about suffering on an individual level, cling to Jesus. Now, as we, as we think about suffering, as we think about this, this individual focus, um, it, it changes the way we respond to it, the way we process it. I mean, after all, if, if we're talking about um, suffering uh, on, a, on a national or a corporate level, um, it's not as personal, 
we don't have to, to wrestle with, with the, the difficulties of it quite so severely. We also see that even if it's an individual, if it's an individual that's, say, over there, it's easy to ignore them, right? It's easy to, to say, well, I'm really sorry, but there's nothing I can do about it. I, I mean, how many times have you, you, you seen uh, commercials about, you know, someone in a, in a third world country who is struggling to have clean water, and, and you feel for them, but you can also just change the channel, Right? And I'm, I'm not being overly critical of changing the channel, and I'm not suggesting that every time you see an ad requesting money to help a child in a third world country that you need to, to, to give. What I am suggesting is that the distance of time and space makes it more bearable to hear and process suffering. Lamentations 3 is bringing the, 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 the picture of suffering to the individual. And if we're to take it seriously, we need to, to understand the way in which it very well may affect us. I mean, if we look through the, the chapter, there's a number of different ways in which the suffering takes, takes form. We could see it in, in um, physical ailments. You see this in verses three through five, right? The, the, the Lord is his hand against 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 me. And the, and the description here is that he's caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He's broken my bones, right? That, that, that I'm not well physically. Um, we, we could see that, that this is, you know, um, a failure to succeed as the Lord has brought dis- disaster on every front in verses six through nine. You know, verses 10 through 14 just describe the language of being crushed, steamrolled, that there's just nothing left. How do we, as God's people, engage with that? Because the reality is, again, in a, in a room this size, you know, likely we have people doing very well, like we ha- likely we have people who read these verses and they say, yep, that's where I am. How do we respond to that? Sometimes there's a, there's a temptation, and, and I'm, I'm going to date myself a little bit and then pick on the, my youth a little bit, um, meaning the, the, the age in which I, I grew up. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, um, and there was the, the, the growing field of this thing called Christian rock that you heard on the radio, right? And, and there are some good songs and there were some bad songs. And, and my, my point is not to say that the, the worship music or, or the songs that came about in the 80s or 90s are bad. But, but I, I just, I will confess that one of the things that I remember as a child and, and indeed as I've grown in my faith is I would hear songs on the radio that talk about, I'm going to praise the Lord. 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 And I wrestle with that, and I sit there, and I, and I listen, and I think, I understand it, and I want to praise the Lord, and I want to enter into that praise of the Lord, whether I'm in the car or I didn't really sing in the shower, but you understand, you know, as I'm on my own. But life's hard. How can I enter into 
the praise of the Lord if everything being sung in the song doesn't help? I can't even identify with it. Um, you know, one of the, the, the blessings of Reformation Sunday is that we sing Reformation songs. Our opening hymn this morning is a, a hymn of Martin Luther is a mighty fortress of our God. Right? One of the reasons why that's an amazing hymn, and not all of Martin Luther's hymns are amazing, but this one is, is it, is it, it acknowledges that all might not be well. It acknowledges that you might be having trouble, right? That, that you might be wrestling. Um, you see, at the, the, the start of verse 2, it says, Did we in our own strength confide? If we were trying to go it alone, our striving would be failing. It goes even further. We're not the right man on our side. Okay, just to recognize the man of God's own choosing, right? So there's this recognition that... that that we are wrestling and striving against an evil one. We're wrestling and striving against circumstances that are not ideal. And you know, the ways in which they could not be ideal are manifold. Maybe it's, maybe it's the knowledge that, that this Friday you're going to have to take a chemo pill that's going to make you nauseous for the next week. And just when you're getting over that one, you have to take another chemo pill, and you're going to be nauseous for another week. And your body wastes away, and you wonder, Lord, how does this work? Where's loving kindness? Right? Or, or maybe it is um, a professional difficulty that you're working underneath someone that, that is difficult to deal with unreasonable, makes awkward and, and frustrating demands. And you, you wonder, how, do, how am I to get through the day, right? As we, as God's people, think about such things, we come to Lamentations 3. And what we see here as the lamenter is struggling is we can rightly understand ourselves in parts of it. Maybe not every day. Maybe not with every part, but over the course of our lives, in various aspects, we feel the pain and the frustration of the lament. And this is where we come to these precious verses in 22 and 23, and we see that the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, it, right? His compassions never fail. They're new every morning. And we say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but today it doesn't feel that way. How do I understand that? Now, I'm going to keep you in suspense for just a little while longer as we think about this. Because it's also important for us to understand the nature of our suffering. And last week, I, I, I tried to describe that we, we ought not have a transi uh, transactional understanding of our relationship with God. 
To put it another way, uh, we shouldn't have a tit-for-tat understanding, right? It, it's, uh, we need to be careful how we come to, to follow the Lord or not follow the Lord and res- understand our own circumstances, okay? Um, we, we, we read Deuteronomy 28, and Deuteronomy 28 um, has a list of pretty miserable consequences that are all the result of, of God's people rejecting Him, okay? And it, it begins, uh, you know, as we stay here, it, it, I, we could say, well, you know, it's pretty clear. You, you don't follow the Lord, bad things are going to happen. And what we need to to recognize is that it is very true that the Lord contends with his people to draw them back to himself. And we praise the Lord for that. So if we're asking why are we suffering, that's actually the the first question is, you know, is the Lord using the circumstances of our life to, to point out areas where we're failing and struggling and we need to turn back to the Lord? Lord willing, we'll come to that. But we also need to recognize and this is part of the heart of the gospel, is that the Lord is not dealing with his people in a transactional way. He's not saying, well, if you cross that line, then I'm going to do X. Like, oh boy, you, 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 um, you, you lied at, at, to your coworker. Well, because you lied at your coworker, you're going to be stuck in a traffic jam. Right? That, that's not the way in which we should understand the, 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 that the Lord is working. It does happen from time to time, as I said, where the Lord uses the circumstances of life to chasten us and, and to remind us of our desperate need for Him. But the whole purpose of the gospel, right, is to recognize that we cannot keep the law's requirements, We cannot come before the Lord and follow Him. But the Lord in His mercy, by His grace, has made a way in Christ who could keep the law for us to come to Him, right? So as we we think about suffering, as we think about the difficulties of life, we need to have those, those two ideas in mind at the same time, right? That while the Lord does chasten us, that we would turn to Him, fundamentally, the gospel means that I am not judged on my own merits. I'm not judged based on my own deeds, but that on the Lord Jesus. So how do we then approach the suffering that comes on a Sunday afternoon as you go from church to whatever the next activity is. I, I would suggest an algorithm, right? Algorithm is usually a word that, that we, um, we use when we think about Google and searching things on the internet. I don't mean that, right? What I mean actually is what an algorithm is. Uh, it's a set of, of, of questions and answers that basically direct you to a, to a predictable outcome. And I use that term loosely. So the question, quite frankly, is, is in the presence of, of suffering, are you sinning? Now, we understand that, that 
all of our lives to some degree are corrupted by the sin of Adam, but I mean kind of like when we have the Lord's Supper and, and we stand, I stand there and say, you know, if you think about the Ten Commandments, are you actively keeping the Ten Commandments or are you actively breaking the Ten Commandments? In that way, are you practicing sin, right? So as suffering comes, first question I would ask is, are you sinning? If so, repent, right? Call upon the Lord. Believe in the Lord. If the answer is no, and it could be no by the power of the Spirit, then I would ask, okay, well, you know, is the suffering physical? Could it be that the suffering has a purpose to help you depend not on your physical abilities, and not to say, yes, I can do it. I can accomplish this goal. I can work uh, in isolation of the Lord to try to please Him. Because it could be that the Lord is saying, no, your physical strength isn't enough. Turn to me. Right? R- come back to me. Or maybe it's not physical. Then I'd say, is it psychological? You know, are you, are you s- sitting here this morning struggling to accept the truth that the Lord says about your life over the falsehoods that, that those around you might say or that the world might say? Are, are, you know, is, it, is it a mental um, sort of issue where you're, you're struggling between the, the competing narratives that we hear from the Scripture and from the world? And could the present difficulty, could its purpose be to remind you that God's Word is true and the world is not. If so, I mean, you see a purpose in it. And they say, turn and follow the Lord as he's revealed himself in his word. Turn and, and follow the Lord by the power of the Spirit. Not something that you can do on your own, but you understand you can because of the Spirit of Christ within you. Okay, if it's not psychological, is it, is it spiritual? Right? Have, have you neglected to seek the Lord? Have you um, backslid, as it were, in, in your pursuit of the Lord? If the answer is yes, perhaps suffering is present to remind you of, of your desperate need for the doctrines of grace. Your desperate need to, to be reminded daily of the gospel, right? The gospel is not something that we, we understand to be, well, you know, I was baptized on Easter Sunday when I you know, was seven years old. It was a sunrise service. It was beautiful. I got a nickel and everything's cut out but a cross, so I'm good, right? That, if that's our understanding of the gospel, we're, it's, it's going to be deadly, so instead of that, you, we need to recognize that we're, we are to, to hear the gospel again and again and again. So, so if, if there's difficulty in life, it's not physical. It's, it's not you know, mental or, or psychological with, with regard to your thinking. Is it spiritual? Is, is the Lord using this difficulty to, to direct you back to Him? Now in all of this, my operating assumption is that, that Romans 5 
is working because it has to, because it's God's word, right? Where, where we understand that the Lord uses difficult circumstances to bring about proven character and hope. So if, if the answer, if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, it, it isn't any sort of physical lack of dependence upon the Lord, or it isn't any sort of, of, of mental uh, seeking to follow what the world says, and it's not a spiritual sort of, of situation where I've not put my trust in the Lord, and I'm not living for Him, I would say, could the Lord be in any other way using the present difficulties of life to bring about proven character and hope? That we would hope in the Lord that we would look to the Lord's return and, and the wonder that we will see in the new heavens and new earth. Now, as we think about this, as we, as we wrestle with this, um, we kind of have to have a, a workable strategy for, for how we move forward, right? You, you know, we recognize that, that Suffering, when it comes, among other things, uh, among other things, it short circuits many of our logical processes. When we're angry, we don't think logically. When we're in pain, we don't we don't really want to have a rational conversation. It hurts. How do we move forward? How do we navigate these waters? And, you know, I started at the beginning to say it's our temptation to jump to, to verse 20, um, and, and those verses in Lamentations 3, well, now is when we enter into them. In, in the midst of present suffering, when the Lord makes statements such as the Lord's loving kindness is, you know, never cease, His compassions never fail, we wrestle with them, and we need to think through our way forward. How do we do that? We reflect upon God's faithfulness in the past. And, and we do so um, thinking about God's faithfulness in the past, meaning how he has never failed those who have come before us, whether it's Abraham or Isaac or Jacob or, or Paul or Peter or, or the Lord Jesus, in fact. We, we think about how the Lord has never failed those who've gone before us. We think about wider church history, right? Again, it's Reformation Sunday as we celebrate Martin Luther's uh, work to reform the church. We look back on the Lord's providential care for his people and the way he's worked through history to preserve his word and to preserve his people. And we say, well, if the Lord has worked in all of those people's lives, even in the midst of my suffering, I can trust Him. We also look at each other's lives, not just down through history, but, but each other. This is the value of testimony, right? Not just the, the uh, you know, I was a heathen and then I came to faith and now I live for the Lord testimony. That is a wonderful one. I'm not trying to, to cast aspersions upon it. But, but we need testimony of the Lord's ongoing work in our lives, the way he's provided for us, the way he's cared for us, the way that, that when hope was lost apart from him and the circumstances of life were cloudy and difficult, the Lord saw us through it. And when you tell me about how the Lord has, has encouraged you and been faithful to you, it is an encouragement to me. And I pray li- vice versa. Vice versa. 
right? So, so first, we remember what the Lord has done. And it gives us a confidence that the Lord will keep his word. And then we consider what the Lord has said that he will do, right? What is that? Well, it's the, it's the recognition of the life, death, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus that has happened in the past whereby our sins are forgiven. And it's a, a, a hope of his second coming where all things will be made right. It, it's, it's where righteousness dwells, according to Second Peter. And it's where we will be with our faithful Savior forever in perfect peace. Where there will be no more suffering. Where there, where there will be no more hardship. And so as we think about past promises, it, it builds our confidence in God's word. And then we remember that God's word is future oriented to, to a heavenly reality far beyond what we can think or imagine now. And with that as the backdrop in our, in our brains, we enter into present difficulty. That's the way in which Paul said, these momentary light afflictions, right? It's not that they were momentary or light in a, in a temporal, in a, in a lifetime. If you read his testimony elsewhere, you see he suffered greatly again and again and again and again. But he could call them momentary and light because he knew the way in which the Lord had been faithful and he knew the promises of the Lord for the future and he knew that he had participation in it. That's the hope of the gospel. Not just that we look back and we see that our sins are forgiven and now do a really good job to to please God. No, it's that our sins are forgiven and that the Lord is coming back and that he will sustain us by his spirit until he returns or calls us home. That's how in the middle of suffering, we can say the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. It's also how we can honestly, earnestly recognize that all things are from the Lord. The things that are pleasant, the things that are not pleasant. We, we see this even in verse 38. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? We recognize that, that where we are is, is part of the Lord's purpose. How do we know that? Romans 8 tells us that, right? That, that the Lord is working for the good of those who are called according to His purposes, and then he goes on to describe the, the character of that good and the, and the way in which that is worked out. It is in, and in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and in our relationship to him. That's why Romans 8 speaks again and again about how we will never be separated from the love of Christ, no matter the circumstances of life. And that is, in fact, where we are now. So as we're here, on an increasingly sunny morning, in a warm and dry sanctuary, 
We do recognize that there's suffering in the world. And we do recognize that there very well may be suffering in the room. We recognize that it could be physical, mental, we could be spiritual. But we recognize also how the Lord uses suffering. First, to reprove us and, and to return us to the Lord. And second, to, to bring about a proven character and a hope. A hope that does not disappoint. As we think about that, we, we need to be motivated in many ways. One, we need to be motivated to worship the Lord every day, all day, in season and out. Why? Because the Lord is working His good purposes through us. It also needs to motivate us to communicate that hope to those that are suffering around us who have no hope. Now, maybe this is done uh, via uh, financial support to things like gospel gleanings or, or uh, in, in a hospitality to support to those who have had war-torn lands who are seeking refuge and are coming here. Or maybe this is in the, the, the person in the chair next to you at the oncologist's office. Whereas you're getting the infusion that's miserable, but you understand it as part of the Lord's purposes for your life. The person next to you is weeping in despair because of the pain without hope. This news this greatest of all news that is present even in the midst of distress is cause for us to worship. It's also cause for us to communicate in love the truth of the gospel to whomever the Lord has before us. In all of this, whether in our praise or whether in our communication, we have to cling to the Lord Jesus because apart from him, there is no hope. And he is our anchor, our sure hope, that will see us through all the days of our life, and indeed forever. Amen.